It's about that time again. Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to the Bible and Coffee Show. Amen. I'm your host, Pastor Maurice Anderson from Praise by Nature Ministries, and I am so excited and elated that you are tuning in to our show today. Amen to God. Now, if you have not noticed already, we are studying the Word of God, and we will have a cup of coffee with us. So stay tuned out. Amen. I would like for you to turn with me, amen, to the book of Genesis. Amen. We're going back to the beginning. Amen. If you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 19, amen. It is on your screen here. Uh, chapter 19, verses uh, 24 through 26. <clears throat> and there we will be taking our reading <clears throat> from amen that scripture genesis chapter 19 verses 24 through 26 hallelujah amen <clears throat> so let's go ahead and read what the scripture says here the bible says The Bible says, amen, in Genesis, verse 24 here, it says, then Sodom, I mean, then the Lord reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the city and what grew on the ground. 26 says, but his wife from behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Amen. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading, hearing and doing of his word. Amen. Uh, for those that are in uh, in the house, Amen. Uh, we certainly, I'm certainly encouraging you, Amen. If you have not to download the Logos uh, Bible app, Amen. When I'm presenting scriptures online, if you download it, Amen. Um, and obviously you're in the building, you will be able to receive notifications of the scriptures immediately as I turn to them, Amen. As bookmarks and cards, Amen. So I encourage you. If you have not, <clears throat> amen, download, amen, the Logos Bible software, it is free to use, amen, and as I'm um, presenting the scriptures, you'll get a caption card, a little card that tells you what scripture I'm on, amen, and you'll be able to kind of click and, and follow through uh, with me here, hallelujah. <clears throat> so, uh, the interesting thing here. Amen. As we go through the text here, amen, is the Lord here is dealing with uh, Lot. Amen. He's dealing with Lot. He's dealing with um, Abraham. He's dealing with the city of Sodom and Gomorrah here. Amen. And for a couple of moments, I just want to talk about, and this has been in my spirit, amen, for a week. Amen since last Sunday, amen, after church, 
Amen. As I begin to just uh, decompress, amen, and think about uh, what the Lord has spoken to us uh, previous Sunday, amen. This just uh, continue to just drop in my spirit. It's been in my spirit for a while here, but it just continued to drop in my spirit, and the Lord was like, it's time, amen, to talk about this. So we're going to talk about this and really talk about the danger, the danger uh, of looking back. Looking back can be dangerous. Amen. So as we peruse the scriptures here, amen, the first thing that we come to realize here is we got to start at, at verse 19, I mean at verse 1, to really get an understanding of what the Lord is trying to get us to uh, see here in this last in evil days. <clears throat> and so the first thing that we see here is that it says here that there are two there were two angels that came into uh, Sodom and it was in the evening and Lot was sitting there at the gate you can see this in verse 1 let me read that for you it says now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom when Lot saw them he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground so a couple of few things here that, <clears throat> amen, is important for us to understand here uh, before we move forward is that <clears throat> the angels were traveling from Abraham. You can see that in chapter 18 that the, the angels had, came to, had come to visit Abraham. And as they were visiting Abraham, one of the things that uh, they had a conversation with is with Abraham and Sarah and they and the angels begin to indicate that um, this was uh, they were getting ready to conceive a child a child was getting ready to be born um, and and Sarah had laughed she had you know she kind of you know smirked because you know they were old of age at that time um, when she became pregnant with um, Isaac and so the angel had came and, and was speaking to them about this such thing. And, and towards the end um, of, the of, of the chapter 18, the angels had their eyes set on the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And as the angel looked, the angels looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham had some questions for the angels. Uh, because the angels had indicated that they had heard some things um, about this city. And they were, the, the Lord had sent them down to check it out to really see, you know, what was really going on in that city that was so wicked and abominable in the sight of God. And so uh, Abraham had some questions. And the question was, is that really, is the Lord going to... Um, uh, judge the wicked and the righteous together. He has some questions. He wanted to know whether the Lord was going to really spare the righteous and just purge the wicked. And here, Ab uh, Abraham begins to ask those these questions, and he asked the angel. He said, "Look at here, angel. Um, if there are fifty righteous people." that are living in Sodom at this particular time, will you spare the city? And the angel indicated that, yeah, yeah, we'll spare the whole city because of 50 righteous people. 
we don't really know the full population of Sodom and Gomorrah, but what we do realize and we do know, amen, is that if 50 people were righteous in that city, according to scripture, God would have spared that land. And so the uh, Abraham went through this back and forth, and he says, well, what about 45? What about 30? And, and, you know, what about 10, tw- you know, t- 25, 20, 30, 35? You know, he goes all the way down to about 10, stops at 10. And what's interesting here is that when we get to 10, the scripture doesn't say anything else in uh, Abraham uh, with the, the angel in Abraham in chapter 18 about the conversation. But he gets to 10. And he says, if I find 10 people, if I find 10 people, I will spare the land. And as we peruse in, in verse one, we see something interesting because Lot, he sees these angels and he sees them and he bows down to them, which indicates that he might have known uh, that they were spiritual beings and they were not uh, from this world. Hallelujah. And so uh, through uh, verses two and three, he says that now behold, he says, now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. They said, however, no, but we shall spend the night in the square. And verse three says, yet he urged them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread and they ate of it. And so what we begin to see here is that Lot immediately shows hospitality to these angels. He makes it clear, amen, that it is better for them to spend the night in his house and not spend the night in the community square, as we will probably say, sleep in the park. And so it's very interesting here that the angels wanted to stay out there because remember they were sent now to observe what was going on in that community. But Lot really uh, urged them and nudged them and persuaded them to go and eat inside of the house. And as we look at verse four, uh, the Bible says that before they lay down, the man of sit, the man of the city, excuse me, the man of the city, the man of Sodom surrounded the house, both young and old and all the people from every quarter. This is where things begin to go from bad to worse. We notice here that there are two, that, that, there are, that the angels have not even been in the city of Sodom a full day. Remember, they walked from Abraham and they came to Sodom Amen. And when they entered into Sodom, the Bible says that, uh, that, 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 that as they went into Lot's house, as uh, soon as they got into the house, word must have spread across that there were two newcomers that are coming into this city. And as verse 5 says it, they called to Lot and said to him, we are the man who, come, who came to you tonight. Bring them out, out of so that we may have relations with them. The interesting request here is that 
the people, let's paint this picture. The people that are surrounding this house, amen, are young children and young adult males. It almost seems that the majority of the man of the mans of the society in this picture are surrounding this house with one thing and one thing on their mind. And that is to have intercourse, not with Lot's daughters, but to have intercourse with the two angels that are coming, that are already in Lot's house. This speaks to what Abraham was told in Genesis 18 and 20. Because the Bible says, and it says there was an outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and there is sin exceedingly great. So right now we're painting this picture here of a society uh, that has turned uh, their back against God. We're, 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 and this is not new. Sodom was known for this. When Lot had to rescue, when Abraham had to rescue him earlier. Uh, so, so this is a city now and a, and a country that is, is perverted, not, not just in one thing, but in all things, portraying to the things of God here. Oh, my God. Uh, to the point that their young children are perverted and their children want to do what the adults are doing. Hallelujah. Their children are sitting there getting ready to do whatever the adults are doing. Uh, uh, there, there, is, there is something here to be uh, reckoned with that this is a crazy land and a city. But as we move forward, uh, it is not that different from the land and city that we are in even right now. Mm. Hallelujah to your name. That there are some interesting things that are going on, hallelujah, even in this city right now. And so, my God, uh, the, 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 it, the, the census is, is that the people wanted to defile anything that represented the image of God. Now watch what verse 6 and 8 says. The Bible says, But Lot went out then at the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brother, do not act wickedly. Verse 8 then says that now behold, I have two daughters whom have you not had relations, who have not had relations with man. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do not do these men in, in as much as they have come to, under the shelter of my roof. Here, we're starting to see here, Lot is pleading with the community of men and telling them here, take my daughters, but don't do anything wicked to, this, to these brethren. But as the story would go and as the story would develop, as we see here in 9 and 10, uh, the, the story develops now because uh, the man outside are saying, are telling Lot to stand aside. They are telling them that how is this one, meaning Lot, who has come in as a foreigner, acting like a judge now? 
You know how it is. You come into a new block. You come into a new city. You ain't from there. You from another. You from another block, and, 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 and they coming up to you, telling you how are you? Who? What kind of right do you have to be judge and jury here? And so Lot now, Amen, is dealing with the fact that these individuals are coming at him sideways and acting like, hey, you ain't you ain't got no skin in the game. And not only that, he tells them that we are going to treat them worse than what we we're going to treat you worse than what we treat them. And so what happened is, is that now imagine that they're at this door and Lot is standing at the door. And now the community of brethren are now charging their way in to the door. And, 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 and the man now, the brethren are reaching out their hands and they brought Lot into the house and shut the door. This is what the angels does because the men are pushing in and the angels now come and they grab Lot and they pull him out and they put them, he puts, they put Lot in the house. And what becomes interesting here is that Lot now uh, uh, sees the angels do this miracle where they strike the brethren with blindness at the doorway. They strike them with blindness at the doorway. Hallelujah. And, 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 and then and, and, and <laughs> what becomes interesting, because not only that, they strike them with blindness at the doorway, and then the angels tells Lot in verse 12, it says, then the two men said to Lot, whom else have you here? A son-in-law and your sons and your daughters and whomever you have in the city, bring them out of this place. At this particular time, God is starting to develop, put, plant a seed in Lot's uh, mind to tell them it's time to leave this place. I want to tell you that there have been times in your life where God has planted a seed immediately to leave these places. And so here the seed is being planted. Notice, notice this, that the people, the blind people did not stop trying to bust in the house. They were blind, but still trying to crawl the way into the house. This is really the symbolization of sin <laughs> in its rudimental state, how people who are blind against the things of God will continue to move in the things that they think is right, even though they don't have all the facts because, because they have not been enlightened by the Lord. Imagine being blind. You would think that they would stop doing what they were doing because they couldn't see no more. But yet, but but no, they wanted to keep continuing to burst something down as if they were going to see and get these two brethren. It is here that we've got to understand that we must keep the light of God in our lives. And we see our brethren in the community. How are they going to see God if they don't see God? How are they going to see if they don't have the light of God in their lives. Brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you here as we move forward that you need to seek the light of God in your life. There's no way that you can move in the things of God 
without seeking the light of God in your life. Put in the back of your mind now, there's a seed that was planted in Lot's mind the night that, that night that the angels had made their decision. Their orders were, we don't know fully the orders, but the orders were to destroy this if they evaluated the land and it didn't seem fit. And so what does God do? He warns Lot. He tells him, hey, bro, if you got son-in-laws, get them. If you got sons, get them. If you got daughters, get them. Whoever is connected to you, I'm giving you a chance now to get them. Because in 13, he says, because we're getting ready to destroy this place. Because there is an, the outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. There's a warning that is happening here. I want you to understand how many warnings has God warned you before destruction comes? Mm. How many times have you been warned and you have not listened to what God has said in your life? I know I've been warned. And I even thank God this week that he has blessed me to heed these warnings. I'm trying to tell you, y'all just don't know. But I thank God that God has protected me through the warning signs. And I did not act on the warning signs because the, everything was lined up for me to act on what God was warning me not to. And if I had not stopped and listened, my God, I may not even be where I am right now. How many times has God warned you and you have not listened? Now, don't get it twisted. I ain't always listened to the warnings. Because there were times where I was like, forget all of that. I got to go into my flesh and do what my flesh wants me to do. Because my flesh needs to be satisfied and gratified. But no, 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 no. The most dangerous place is to be in such a vulnerable state. That is the 50-50 chance that you'll do the will of God. That's when something in you, that's when you need to call in on the name of Jesus and say, Lord, mm, I need your help. So Lord is getting a warning. Hey, bro, it's finna go down. Grab everybody in your household. Grab everybody in your household. Notice he even includes his son-in-laws to be. One of the key takeaways that we see here, if you are living right, God will not only spare you, but he can spare your family. Hmm. This ain't the first time we've seen a family be spared because of one person's righteousness. You remember Noah, his kids were spared and his wife was spared. Lot, his wife, his kids are spared. Abraham, he was spared. He could continue to be an idol worker, but God called him out, right? God called you out. <laughs> he spared, he's sparing you and saying, listen, because you have found favor in my sight, I need you to gather those who are connected to you. And, we, and you all are going to get out of here. You are going to get a free pass. How many of you have had a free pass? 
but have not acted on your free pass. Huh? How many? You're living right. Your family can be spread. It only takes one. It only takes one. It doesn't mean that they'll be spread at the end of the day. They're going to all have to find themselves with the things of God. But for immediate situational awareness and danger, you, because you are favored in God's eye, God will not only spare you, but he will spare those that are in your house. Look at what 14 tells us. This is what Lot did. Lot spoke to his son-in-laws in verse, in verse 14. They were, these, were the, these were the people who were getting ready to marry them. Notice. Lot spoke to the brothers that were getting ready to marry them that are from Sodom. Right? And he said, it's time to get up out of this place. Because the Lord is finna kill everybody. What did the son-in-laws do? The Bible says that, but he appeared to his son-in-laws, but he appeared to his son-in-laws to be jesting. What is jesting? To be a joke. Telling false information for fun. To the son-in-laws, what Lot was saying seemed to be a joke. See, this, is, this has similarities to Jeremiah. 43 1 and 2 Jeremiah 43 1 and 2 says but as soon as Jeremiah whom the Lord their God has sent had finished telling them all the all the people all the words of the Lord their God that this all these words verse 2 says Azariah the son of um, Hoshadai and Jonai the son of Kera amen and all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, you are telling a lie. The Lord our God has not sent you to say you are not to enter Egypt to reside there. This has the same similarities to what the sons were hearing from Lot. Isn't it interesting that sometimes you only have one chance to hear a warning and that's it. Because in this place, in Jeremiah, old Jeremiah escaped. <laughs> but these people got taken out because they, now, they didn't say that he was a lie. They said that God was a lie. This ain't the first time in Jeremiah they killed another prophet for speaking the truth in Jeremiah. When sin is infected in you, you want to kill people that represent God. Because you can't stand to hear what God has to say in your life. You may not physically kill them, but you can kill them with your mouth. You can kill them with your attitude. You can put roadblocks around them and lock them up and all of these kind of things here. But, but, but God is saying that there is one chance here. Sometimes you only get one time to hear an instruction, and that's it. Mm. Sometimes you only get one time, mm. and that's it. Uh, to the point where God even tells you, don't even pray. Because your prayer is keeping them. You get You get one time sometimes. In the things of God. This is an attitude that we have here in the world because we don't believe that Jesus is coming back. Well, let me put let me rephrase that. Some don't believe that Jesus is coming back. 
But I tell you, I believe, I believe that he is coming back. I believe that he is real. I believe that he is God manifested in the flesh. And there's nothing you can do to persuade or change how I feel about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there are times, hallelujah, where folk don't believe what is getting ready to transpire. And you can be one decision away from destruction. That's what God is trying to show us right now. One decision can either save your life or destroy your life. One decision can make you be saved. One, can, one decision can put you in a place of hell. Come on, somebody, it only takes one decision. One choice, one time, one choice can really navigate and reshape and reframe your future. This is why the Lord is saying that there is no time to waste in serving him. Oh, my God. My goodness, my goodness. And so in context here in Genesis, he's telling Lot, he's telling the southern laws, that night, this ain't the next day, that night, hey, bro, let's rise up out of here. Come on, come, come, come with me. Come with me. Now, this is where it gets dicey here. Because when they woke up in the morning, verse 15, when they woke up, what did the angels do? The angels urged Lot, saying, take your wife, your two daughters who are here, and you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. Or you'll be swept away in the punishment of the city. The angels have given them a chance to leave. He's given them, they're giving them a chance. This is what the Lord is telling us. Keep your eyes on the prize. Live right and you will be saved. If not, you will, be die. You will die. It is as simple as that. They went to sleep. They got a good night's sleep. And what does Lot tell them? What does the angels tell them? Bro, it's time for you to get up and go. Take who is with you and leave. Take who is with you and leave. You have, watch this, you have told everybody who I told you to tell, your sons, your daughters. You've told everybody you're supposed to tell. They have made a dis they have made their mind up. But you take your daughters and leave. Oh, but it gets juicy here. Because what did, what did they do? Verse 16 says, but he hesitated. Lot and his family are supposed to leave. But he hesitates. Verse 16 says, he hesitated so much, it reads that the angels had to grab his hand and the hand of his wife and daughters for the compassion of the Lord was upon them and they brought him out and put them outside the city. They hesitated. They were frozen in their steps to the point where God had to drag them out. The question I have for you, the question we ought to ask, what made Lot hesitate? What made him hesitate? Could it be he knew he knows the fate that is getting ready to happen? Because that is a true fact. He knows this place is getting ready to get destroyed. 
he knows that he is the deciding factor of when it is getting ready to happen. Because as we'll read further, Lot can't, this Sodom and Gomorrah can't be destroyed until Lot is in a place of safety. Could it also be he got comfortable in where he was and he didn't want to lose that? Could it be he had friends, cousins, aunties, uncles, family members, or what have you? We don't know the connection of Lot's wife. We, we don't even know her name. It's never mentioned. We don't know what ties she had. We don't know the ties that the kids had in the community. You know what happens. Even though you, we live in a sinful community, we can uh, develop friendships. Remember, the, the daughters are getting ready to get married. They have a life here. They have a life there. They hesitated. Question to you. What issue, situation, person, etc. what thing has got you lingering or hesitating to move forward? We talked about this, about running the race and how when you're running a race, you can't turn around and run a race backwards or go back to where you started because you'll never reach the prize. As you're running the race, you have to keep your eyes forward. But oftentimes, we feel what was behind us pulling us back. And sometimes we stop and we don't move because the, the more we start moving forward, the more we feel the tug of the past. It can be good or bad, holding us back mm, from moving forward to the point where we're stuck and frozen in our boots. Do you know, and I had to learn this, there's a season for everything. There's a season of friendship. There's a season of, uh, uh, of, of being in this level to another level to another. There are seasons to everything. But if God is calling you to win the prize, you have to get over that fear and take one step forward. One step forward. Ain't nobody telling you to run. Just put one foot in another. And while you're putting one foot in another, that's when you got to talk to God and say, God, help me to process what I feel. Because how many know feelings can lead you astray? Uh, God, help me to deal with what I feel. I feel like I need to go back to the homies. I feel like I need to be a thug. I feel like I need to be X, Y, and Z. I feel like I need to prove to them that I'm still down. You don't have to prove to nobody that you're still down. God got you out of the place of trying to be down and trying to move you to perfection. There are some people that can't go to the mountaintop with you. They will bring you down. And have you set tripping? And have you in a position now where you look like a fool? They already know they sold this loss. But one of the number one issues is fear. Fear has put us, some or all of us, in one way or another, has frozen us from moving forward in one facet enough in our life. But I'm here to rebuke the spirit of lingering and hesitation. 
you can ask God these questions. Why so-and-so don't talk to me? And I didn't say jack to them. I don't know what happened. Why? Why is this is going on? Why this? Why that? Why do I have to keep proving myself? Why, why do I feel like I need to prove myself? You don't have to prove yourself. You got to study and show yourself approved not unto man, but unto God. But what I'm telling you right now is one of the realest things you will ever see in here. Because a lot of us have not reached the potential that God has called us to be because we're frozen and we are stale and we are stuck where we at. Not because, not because, not because of, of anybody else, but because we are afraid. Whatever, whatever that fear is, whatever that thing is, whatever it is, is holding you. It's stopping you from moving forward. God has given Lot and his family a free pass go. They are going to be saved, but yet he can't even accept that and has to be dragged out. Look at what hesitation really deals with. It has, it's really meaning a delay in reaching a decision or a reluctance to reach a decision on an account of uncertainty or cautious or rebellion. Scripture provides examples of individuals who hesitated in the face of a divine command or promise, and it indicates its danger. Hesitation is a delay in reaching decision a reluctance to reach a de- a reluctance to resist a re- reach a decision on the account of what uncertainty faith is about uncertainty at some point you don't know if it's going to happen or how it's going to work and you scared out of your boots but you got to have faith in God that if God called you to do this then it will happen it will come to pass. It may not come to pass the way that you wanted to come to pass, but it's going to come to pass. If God said it, he can't lie. And you got to trust the process. You think it's easy opening businesses and opening a ministry or opening these things? It's hard. You're scared. Why? Because you're like, God, I don't know how these things are going to work. <laughs> I don't know how these things are going to come through. But if God is for you, oh, God, I feel like shouting. Who can be against you? There is a danger for your life if you hesitate when God has given you a command to go. If you have some hesitation, that's when you need to talk to God and say, why do I feel the way that I feel? See, that's why... Listen, this is why you have to, as you grow and mature, you got to work this stuff out. You can't shout this stuff down. You can't run around and high-five your neighbor this stuff down. What does that do? Gives you a false sense that you're free. But you ain't talked to nobody. You ain't dealt with nothing. You ain't handled your process, and it's still there. Trust me, I've been there. Had that shoe, had that T-shirt, won all them prizes. Oh, there was a time I was shot my way and felt free for five minutes. 
But as soon as I walked out, the same things were waiting for me. Why? Because I didn't do nothing. I just felt good. I got instant gratification. But the problem was still facing me until I faced it. When are you going to face what God wants you to face so that you are not reluctant to make a decision and move forward? God has given you an open God. <laughs> Mm, he has given you an open window to move forward. Free pass, but you reluctant to go because you're counting the costs. And really the key is you're uncertain. You're scared. You don't know what's going to happen. Don't nobody know but God. <laughs> All the prophets in the world, they don't know everything that God knows. <laughs> And so what you try to do, you go try to make somebody, make somebody prophesy in your life. You go pay money to get prophesied in your life. You pay all of these things and get all of these waters and oils. And you do all of these things to try to get certainty when God is saying, just trust me. Just trust me. Mm, uh, just trust me. Stop trying to get certainty where there's no certainty. I, there are some things I want you to be uncertain about, and I just want you to trust me because that's how our relationship is going to grow. My re, you, trust me. <laughs> My relationship with God grew in the midst of uncertainty, not in the midst of certainty, but in the midst of I didn't know how it was going to wait, how it was going to happen. That's why I can say he's a way maker, miracle worker. Light in the darkness. That's who you are. He's a way maker, miracle worker. Why? Because in the place of uncertainty, I see him being a way maker, a miracle worker, a light in the darkness. Oh, hallelujah. Listen. An example is the scripture here with Lot. 1916, where we're at. So one of the examples. But watch this. Believers should not hesitate to act when they know what is right. Listen to some of the scriptures. They should not hesitate to speak. Watch what Isaiah says. Cry loud and do not hold back. <laughs> Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgressions and to the house of Jacob, their sins. <laughs> Cry loud, spare not. Raise your voice like a trumpet. When you know what is right, cry loud. Listen, Jesus calls us, Jesus commands immediate obedience. I'm not gonna read all these scriptures in Luke 9, 57 through 62. I'm going to go to the last one, amen, in verse 62, because this talks about, amen, following Christ and leaving those things behind, right? And there are some examples of people saying, I want to, but I can't because of X, Y, and Z. But in verse 62, it simply says here, but Jesus said to them, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you continue to stand still and look back, in essence, you are telling God that you are not fit 
for his kingdom. Why? Because you won't move. You won't take a step. You won't take a step. One step. One punch. One step. One punch. One step. One fight. One step. Move forward. Just one. But look at what look at what God does. He's not God doesn't hesitate. He God doesn't hesitate. Hesitate. He doesn't hesitate to bring judgment. Look what Ezekiel 24 and 14 says. I, the Lord, have spoken. It is coming and I will act. I will not relent and I will not pity and I will not be sorry. According to your ways, according to your deeds, I will judge you, declares the Lord God. What does he say? I ain't scared. <laughs> I'm, uh, uh. He doesn't hesitate in bringing judgment. Why would he? He doesn't have to. The return, right? He's not going to hesitate to return. Second Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Right? So watch this. In 17, it says that when they brought them out of the city, he tells them again, run for your life. He's already told them this once. He tells them this twice. He brings them out of the city. Can I ask you this question? How many times has God had to force you out of a situation because you wouldn't listen? Amen. I'm one of them. <laughs> God will force you because he has compassion. He's trying to get you out of something. He's told him. He dragged him out of hands. Hey, hey bro, hey, sis, get up out of here. Escape for your life. Listen, don't look behind you. And do, not, and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Go to the mountains or you, or you will die. Look at what Peter says. Peter says, he can, in Acts 2 and 40, they continue, then Peter continued to preach for a long time, urging, strongly urging all his listeners. This from the New Living Translation. Save yourself from this crooked generation. Notice. God saved the family. Now that the family is out of danger, now God has given every individual an instruction on what they are to do. Now it changes. Listen to the last section. Listen to the last section as we close. Look at what Lot says. Lot says in verse 18 through 26, he tells, and I'm just going to paraphrase what he says and get to 26. But he tells them, he, he essentially tells them, he's like, man, I can't make it. I can't make it to the mountaintops. If I make it to the mountaintops, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. Th that disaster will overtake me. That disaster will kill me. I can't make it to I can't make it to the mountaintops. And he he goes on to say that hey, there's a town here. Can I go to this town? 
Can I, can I escape there? It's, it's really not too small, and my life will be saved. So he tells, the angel tells him, okay, I will grant you, grant you this request, and this one town in the valley that you have spoken to, I will not, I will not, over, I will not destroy it. He says, the angel tells him, but you got to run fast now. Go there. Because he says, I cannot destroy this city until you arrive at your destination. I want you to look at how much compassion God has for his people. Not only will he pull you out of danger, but he will push, pull you away from the vicinity of danger if you would just listen. He tells Lot, hey, 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 not only am I going to save you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull you so far away that you won't even have to worry about this. You, you're going to be out of the range of disaster. So when a lot came to Zohar, then it happened. Listen to this key point. A lot of times we think that Lot was still running when fire, when fire happened. Sometimes, you know, we just think that. But I want you to understand, Lot was in a place of safety. His family was in a place of safety when Sodom and Gomorrah started to be destroyed because when they got to that situation, when they got to that destination, all of them, that's when fire started to happen. And, he over, and, and the angels overthrew the city and all the happiness in the ground, and the ground was all messed up. But, but... His wife made this decision to look back and she turned into a pillar of salt. This is what happens when doubt crept in. This is what happens when doubt, doubt crept in, the result of doubt. Here it is. They were in the place of safety. They were where they were supposed to be at. God had spared the family and gave every individual an instruction. Don't look back. And Lot's wife just had to look back. We don't know the reasoning. Some, some, a lot of people have a lot of assumptions. That is conjecture. But what we do know is something triggered her to look back. We don't know what kind of tie she had. We don't know. We know she could, I, just imagining you and I would be in pain. Man, there are my friends that are dying here. My son-in-laws are dying. The, my, my daughters are crying because th their husbands are gone. They had a, they had a life. I, I'm leaving my life, so-called life, in a wicked place. But when we doubt, doubt results in uncertainty and ineffectiveness in a spiritual life of an individual believer and of the believing community. God appeals to those who waver to make a clear choice. And here we go. About uncertainty, about commitment. We read Lucy's. Luke 6, uh, 9 and 62. You're not fit for the kingdom if you're uncertain about if you're uncertain about it. If you keep looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom. Doubt puts you puts you in a place that you're you're you're, you're uncertain about God's power. 
as Numbers 13 and 31 says. But the men who gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are strong, too strong for us. <laughs> when doubt crept in, you start to deny God's power, God's love, the meaning of life. Listen, you start to doubt, you're, you start to doubt the meaning of life. Look at what Job 3.16 says. Or like a miscarriage, which is discarded, I would not be as an infant that never saw. Jonah says it this way. Therefore, oh, therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me. For, for death is better to me than life. Uncertainty. Doubt leads to uncertainty, which can lead to not uncertain about who God is, about his power, about the resurrection, and about your life. Jo Jonah, who God touched, told him to go, told him to do X, Y, and Z. He does what God tells him to do. After getting swallowed in a, in a belly's well, experience God's power. I mean, he was in somebody's a fish stomach, got, got spit out, ran 60 miles, prophesied to the people, but yet and still, he has doubt and he tells God, it's better for me to die than to live. Because of the anger and the rage that he still had for these people that he never dealt with. So now he's uncertain about God's power because God is using him to speak to the same people who did him wrong and his family wrong. Yeah. Jonah has some issues that he didn't want to deal with. We can break that down later. He didn't want to deal with certain issues. So what does this mean? You can be used by God. You can prophesy for God. You can shout, run, speak in tongues for God. All of these things. But if doubt has crept in, you will be like Jonah and say, it's better for me not to live because you haven't dealt with the doubt. We all at some point have doubted or we don't believe in certain areas. That's when you got to tell, you got to cry out to God and say, God, help me in my unbelief. Help me in my doubt. Lot's wife doubted and she looked and she was gone. She doubted. She had something in her that doubted. You don't think Lot was doubting? Lot, was, Lot didn't want to move. He had to get dragged out. You didn't think his daughters were crying and snotting and tearing? They leaving at home? They had some doubt? But at the end of the day, they didn't look back. She did. There was doubt. Doubt can make you turn your back on God. You can be going to church even right now and doubting. Doubt will make, make you be uncertain even about God's teaching. You're hearing the word, but you're not applying it because you doubt. Ephesians 4 and 14. As a result, we are no longer able to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine or teaching, by the sugar of man, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Doubt can make you uncertain. Notice it says that we are no longer, no longer. Man. Doubt can put you in a position to be uncertain about God's will. And I want to hit this. 
doubt can result in you drifting away from your faith. Look what Hebrews 2 and 1 says. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Somewhere, somehow. Hallelujah. Somewhere, somehow. <coughs> excuse me. There are somebody, there is somebody that's drifting because of doubt. They're afraid. They're uncertain. They're hesitating. And what God is trying to show us today in our teaching today is that hesitation can lead to doubt and doubt can lead to you turning your back on God and asking God to take your life instead of save your life. Doubt can put you in a position that you walk away from God. Isn't that what happened to Cain? He had doubt. He didn't trust that God, would, he didn't listen to the advice of God. And what happened to Cain? He walked away. Don't be the one that drifts away. But doubt can make your faith decline. It's time for you to move forward. It's time for you to get up and put one step, one step forward. Just take one step. And, and, and it's time for you to, to acknowledge what is going on with you. As I, as I, as I, you know, I've said often, having those conversations, you know, um, having, having somebody to, you know, talk to that keeps it classified, <laughs> um, is good having, talking to the Lord. And, and, and explain it to the Lord why you feel the way that you feel. I'm telling you, sometimes it sounds better in your head, but when you say it, it, sound, it sounds like the dumbest thing ever in life. Like really, over, I'm really about to lose my, lose everything over this, really? Really? But here's the thing that you must know as a believer in Christ, you, you have to at some point talk and deal with why you're going through what you're going through and get some deliverance and healing. The Lord wants to heal you right now. He wants to change your life right now. He wants to heal you. But you got to make the first step. He's already made the step. You've got to make the first step now and say, Lord, I need healing. I need deliverance. Not just from a situation, but I need deliverance from me. This is why David, this is why we talked about last week where David said, Lord, I commit my spirit unto you. Not just the Sunday me, not just the happy me, but everything that is within me, I give it to you. Lord, take control over my life. You got to have some time that you set aside to talk to God and to go over your issues. The Bible says you can cast not some, but all your burdens unto him. He said, God says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You can cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares. He cares about you. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be with him. We just read the scripture. That he's he's not he's not slow in coming back, 
but he's patient because he wants everyone to be saved. You have to make that first step. I'm telling you, I used to, I used to be in a place, in a state of my mind, where I thought I could just praise my way through, and praise has its place to start the deliverance process. So don't get me wrong. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. There are times we usually need to jump, run, and yell, get it out. Amen. But it's just a jump start. But after the praise has gone, you still not got to start dealing with it. Start talking to God with it. You've got to grow because if you don't grow, you're going to get worse. And you're going to die on the inside because you don't want to deal with it. God is telling us today, deal with it because the worst thing that you can do is not deal with it and be like Lot's wife and die instantly. Saul died because he was disobedient. He didn't die physically, but he died spiritually. He lost the kingdom of God and this brother lost his mind. The person he used to love now is his enemy. Ain't nothing changed. Man, matter of fact, David didn't even do nothing to him. He got mad because of the community. David didn't do nothing. He just did his job. Listen. You got to make that choice. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you got to make that choice. And know that God is for you. Hallelujah. You got to make that choice today. Because <laughs> looking back can be dangerous. Amen. Lord, we just thank you. We just glorify you. We just magnify you. God, we just ask right now that if there's someone out there who is hesitating, who is stuck in coming to a decision, when God, you have already made the decision, but is hesitating even to move forward because of uncertainty, my prayer right now is God to help them in their unbelief. Because God, we know that the steps are of the righteous are always ordered by you. And the only way that we can grow from faith to faith and from glory to glory is to trust you in our uncertainty and cast our spirit unto you and say, God, we commit our spirit unto thee. So God, I just ask that you would deliver who needs to be delivered. You would get into the minds of those that need to get that wake up call because we know that tomorrow is not promised. And we know, Father God, that without you, we are nothing. So, God, I ask you, even right now, Father God, strengthen those that are still with you, that they don't drift away and that they don't become dull and that their faith doesn't decrease, but it actually increases, Father. Oh, Father, bless.